Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Buongiorno. Scusi, il ristorante Picnic... We're in the northern Italian region of Piedmont looking for a restaurant called Picnic. It belongs to chef Eleonora Matarese, also known as La Cuoca Selvatica, the wild cook. All her recipes are based 100% on wild ingredients she finds in the environment around her. She's an expert in botany and foraging, and she's taking us to a nearby forest to pick up some acorns and cook a dish with them. We drive through towns surrounded by forests. The indigo Lake Maggiore stretches out below us. A little further ahead lie the mountains. We're in a very rural area, 100 kilometers from Milan, far removed from the hectic pace of life in the big city. But we're a bit lost because picnic is not what you would expect from a restaurant. It isn't spelt the way you might imagine either. P-I-K-N-I-Q, picnic, with a K and a Q, is a grass that grows wild, particularly along waterways, and is characteristic of picnic spots. The name comes from the dialect of the Alaskan Inuit people who are hunter-gatherers. Okay. <laughs> when we finally arrive, we find the restaurant in a two-story family cottage. There are no staff. The chef, Elnora, is in charge of everything. Our producer, Marta, and Italian fixer, Luca, park up and take in the incredible view. There's an extensive garden with all kinds of plants, some wild and others chosen by Eleonora, from fruit trees and mushrooms to edible flowers. There are even some beehives. What I wanted to tell you is that we're walking on food. That is, this is not merely grass, but it's tons of species. And what is astonishing, look here. Oh, it's... Every, they're everywhere. It's full of mushrooms, and uh, this means that the soil is healthy. Welcome to this special episode of The Star Ingredient. I'm Takumbo Salako, and you're listening to a Euronews Culture original series, which will immerse you in a forgotten world of flavours. Nearly half the calories we consume come from just three crops, corn, rice and wheat. But we're meeting chefs who are fighting this monopoly, which threatens biodiversity and food security. This is crucial in times of crisis such as the COVID pandemic or the war in Ukraine. In this series, we're mainly focusing on Africa because it's the continent with the largest number of indigenous plants. But this is a worldwide issue. 
So today we're taking a detour to Europe to explore the part foraging can play in building more resilient food chains. And we'll be cooking something you might not have tasted before, acorn bread. Eleonora has brought us to a forest in the Monte Fenera Natural Park near her restaurant. The ground is carpeted in leaves. A dim light penetrates the canopy of trees. It's late afternoon. Uh, so how many should we pick to respect the environment? With vegetable species, it's a kind of suggestion to forage from 2 to 5% of the plants you find near you. Eleonora has guided us to the best spots to find acorns. With oaks and acorns, it's a bit strange because since they are not foraged and they're almost everywhere and they're not protected, you can potentially go there and fill your buckets. Acorn, the star ingredient of this episode, is not often found in European dishes, despite the fact that it comes from a species of tree, the oak, which originates from the south of the continent. It's usually seen as food for squirrels or pigs. Don't forage, don't bring them home if you don't know how to transform them and don't throw them away. The procurement of food from the wild without using tools, as in hunting and fishing, has been vital for food security since prehistoric times. But does it still make sense in today's world? Around the world, Roughly one billion people benefit from eating wild foods in terms of their food security and dietary diversity, according to a study from South Africa's Rhodes University. This is particularly the case in rural communities in developing countries. In one study in Burkina Faso between 2016 and 2020, Researcher William Mosley studied the dietary habits of communities in the southwest of the country. He found that foraging was crucial for them to survive during the hungry season between harvest from May to August. The foraged foods are especially important for lower income households, and women do a lot of the collection. Of the 150 women he interviewed, 92% had eaten wild foods in the last 24 hours. In my experience, this is a side activity that women are doing in addition to many other tasks. Foraging was heavily gendered. Men provided the agricultural grains such as sorghum and maize, while women supplied the wild plants such as boabab leaves and African locust beans. You're not going to get a like, steady, consistent supply of one thing because there are sort of seasonal fluxes, but people seem to sort of incorporate it into their livelihood. A woman might be walking on her way to work in the fields and along the way she'll see different plants and collect them. And she'll do the same thing when she's walking back in the evening. You couldn't depend on it to survive on, but it's a really important complement. Meanwhile, back in Italy... Foraging is, it is viewed pejoratively. It's seen as backward and not a modern thing to do. And so not only have we lost the tradition in some places, but it's sort of 
look down upon as a less legitimate source of, of food and nutrition. But for Eleonora, foraging is the most natural thing in the world. She learnt it from her grandmother, Nonna Enna, who grew up between the two world wars in the south of Italy and who knew, like all women of her generation, how to fill food gaps by foraging. She was like the mamma of the family. She had a very important presence. She had uh, straight uh, black hair and extremely, extremely beautiful blue eyes. Eleonora was born in 1975 in Albero Bello, a quiet town in the region of Puglia, the heel of Italy. It was a countryside, just us. Our issue was the fox coming at night. The eldest of three sisters, her mother had been a model and her father was a professor at the Academy of Fine Arts. Foraging was part of their everyday life. I remember a piece of land that had the shape of a triangle and there were figs, cherries, and tons of herbs. Eleonora particularly remembers long summer afternoons at her grandparents' house, which stretched out before her with nothing to do, until Nonna Enna would ask her to come foraging to find the ingredients for dinner. It was a game also because while walking, we were like, oh, look, that one is growing. Oh, look, wild fennel is coming out, so recipes will be sweeter. And that was a very good game, also because it's never-ending. From when she was very little, Nonna Enna shared with her everything she knew about botany, foraging and cooking. And she taught me how to forage and transform properly with so many recipes, at least 32 vegetable species growing wild in, in Apulia. And I've been eating wild food, plant-based wild food, at least until 17 years old. After that, of course, I needed to go to university to find a job. Back in the forest, looking for acorns, Eleonora notices the impact of warmer autumns on the landscape. Here I read that the climate is becoming hotter and hotter. There's, um, I mean, it's uh, beginning of November and uh, there are just plenty of fallen leaves and not so many mushrooms. It's a place she knows like the back of her hand. There's no birds. I almost can't hear birds. On the contrary, when I was a child, it was a kind of concert. And But it's not something totally negative. I mean, I don't want to be totally negative. I just want to uh, suggest people to listen, to observe in this just to try to understand what can I do acorns are typically ripe for harvest between September and November but those that end up naturally protected under a cover of leaves are available all year long it may also happen to find for example squirrels usually forage them and create some holes in the ground and put them in like you know preserve for winter 
Of course, you won't forage those because they're squirrels' food. Foraging has historically been a pillar of the daily diet in most rural societies around the world. But after the 1960s and 70s, with food industrialization and the appearance of supermarkets, it became less relevant. Andrea Peroni is a researcher in ethnobotany and ethnobiology at the University of Gastronomic Sciences in Palenzo, Italy. This is a process which was mainly due to the food industrialization, the availability of vegetables all over the year long, and not only in the months when vegetables are supposed to grow. In Italy, other factors too put an end to the practice of foraging, like women becoming part of the workforce. But for Andrea Peroni, there are two big reasons why we should continue foraging. First, um, we have in many parts of the world still a lot of problems concerning food security. So the plants uh, which are normally foraged are easily available and can represent ingredients at zero miles and zero costs. The second reason is that foraging is an important buffer in case of crisis, no matter where in the world you live. As we have seen during the pandemic, as we are observing now, for example, in countries there have been a tremendous economic uh, uh, collapse, like Lebanon. Peroni's studies in food behaviour in the countries of the eastern Mediterranean coast have shown an increase in the consumption of wild foods during times of crisis. So it is also important for providing very easy available food also in households of Western countries. Andrea explains that while traditional foraging is decreasing, there's also been a revival among those who are not dependent on it. That means there are new foragers who are connected via social media, who use a lot of informal networking. They meet, they train together to recognize and cook the plants. And this trend is, uh, is immense, especially in urban areas. When Eleonora left her hometown in the south of Italy and moved to Milan in the north, she picked wild plants every chance she got. I stopped at the, the traffic lights and looked around and discovered that even in the middle of the town there were, for example, edges of berries uh, vulgaris, that are small red berries, or there are many uh, tilia trees. I was like in the middle of Milan and I was foraging with my office uh, clothes, <laughs> filling my bag with those nuts. She studied agrarian sciences, botany and languages at university and spent years in jobs not related to cooking or foraging. I've always been cooking for me, experimenting at home, so fermentation, finding new vegetable species in the alpine areas, trying to understand what were the differences with the landscapes. But it was uh, a bit later that I, I started to thinking about uh, proposing wild food to people. 
until she had an epiphany. A conversation with a woman her age made her realize she should do something with her knowledge of wild plants. This woman said that unlike Eleonora, she didn't get the chance to learn from her grandmother's knowledge of foraging in the mountains. I realized, uh, you know, like in a pearl collier, there were some pearls missing. As women entered the labor market, there was a gap in the passing of knowledge down through generations from mothers to daughters. And I said, no, we must run and fast before all this is lost. In 2005, Eleonora finally made the decision to quit her job and open her first restaurant, a small bistro which would save the recipes of Nonna Enna and her generation and stop them from disappearing. I already had my recipes, my idea, but simply speaking, it was like I forage chicories, I will prepare chicories the way my grandma prepared it to me, and I will cook them for people, saying this is real food. You won't find in the supermarket. Picnic, where we met Eleonora, is not that bistro. It's changed location, but the concept remains the same. The menu depends on the season and the weather, and also where the chef is cooking. Eleonora says her food is nomadic. She can go to her customers' kitchens instead of them coming to her restaurant and teach them how to cook with plants from their own gardens. But the wild cook has been met with more resistance than she expected. At the beginning, I remember, there's a, well, <laughs> a woman that decided to try and she was like, you're poisoning us. Because she couldn't believe that there is food in the wild you can eat and that is not in the supermarket, because otherwise they will, would sell it in the supermarkets, you know. And also I think this is why many people do prefer eating the same risotto, the same pasta al forno, the same recipes. Even if they're not familiar recipes, they go to the restaurant and they always order the same things, because they do not know, and everybody, anthropologically, is afraid of the unknown. In the forest, Eleonora teaches us some of her tricks. They are a species that teach us how to observe. But what you do? You walk, and in order to find something else, you look at your feet, you look at the ground. This is the way to forage the corns, to look at the ground, because when they're ready, they're around the trunk. An important part of Eleonora's work is educational, she runs courses to teach other people how to recognize, collect and cook wild ingredients from their environment. Her students include school classes and other chefs. Many people that start having interest, for example, for corns or in general wild food, wild herbs, um, they begin with curiosity to create other recipes. But when they meet me, when we try to understand why are we foraging? Are we foraging because it's a fashion? Are we foraging because uh, there may be a time in which we won't have supermarkets anymore? Or are we foraging because it's in our DNA? During the COVID-19 pandemic, people around the world suddenly found themselves with time to explore this tradition and their environment. 
One study of an urban foraging group in the United States during the peak of the pandemic in 2020 showed that the activity helped communities cope with the impact of lockdown and the associated economic decline. From Philadelphia to Copenhagen, people included foraging in the outdoor exercise they were permitted, like biking, walking or running. And they created apps to exchange information such as where to find wild foods in the city or which edible plant was reappearing along the streets. People start to think about that, to observe about that, and you notice it because they go in the woods, they won't take all the acorns in the ground, they just take a percentage because the message has been conveyed and they now understand, okay, it's not only me, but I am part of a whole. We head back to Eleonora's restaurant laden with baskets of acorns and ready to cook. Where most of us see animal feed, Eleonora imagines dozens of recipes. Pancakes, coffee, cheese, meatballs, bechamel sauce, pesto. We can eat them already or not yet? Uh, you may try, but I think they're not completely bleached. You can try, just to... OK. Maybe the outside part is a bit sour yet. It's a bit sour, but it's, it's nice. And they're perfect to prepare coffee. But today we're learning how to bake acorn bread, free of gluten and yeast. So once you have foraged your acorns, so there are several ways to transform them. First of all, you need to bleach them in order to eliminate tannins. Tannins are chemicals found in certain plants that are toxic to humans. Acorns are high in tannins, but there are many ways to remove them. The quickest is to simmer them until the water boils clear. This can take more than an hour depending on the variety. Or they can be left to soak for months, changing the water from time to time until it's clear. In order not to waste water, Elnora suggests putting them inside a net and leaving them in running water, such as a river, for a month. I have put some cleaned acorns in water so that... They are ready. In this moment, you can decide to prepare polenta or you can decide to dehydrate them, maximum 33 uh, centigrades, in order not to uh, lose their properties, their nutrients. For this, Eleonora recommends using a food dehydrator. When they're perfectly dried and there's no humidity, you create your powder. Full of protein. Powder is like talc powder. And what I have already done is mixing the powder with the other ingredients that are necessary to create our acorn bread. The other ingredients are oats plus seeds such as chia and flax. And because Eleonora is the wild cook, she also uses mallow roots from her garden. You may recreate this kind of recipe with a lot of seeds, a lot of herbs, even with sweet chestnuts, flour. Flowers you can eat include gardenias, pansies, hibiscus and fuchsia. Once you have put all together in here, you may want to add some salt, if you like, but even not. You may want to add some other herbs powder to give a particular taste. 
Otherwise, if you leave it this way, it will be simply nutty and uh, with a kind of retro taste of coffee, which is very nice. Eleonora mixes between 400 and 450 grams of the acorn powder and seeds using a Danish dough whisk. The holes in its design create spaces in the mixture. And this space will create the holes inside the bread, just like normal cereal bread. Of course, you can use any kind of whisk, but be careful not to break the seeds while you're mixing. The smell of this now, even if they're not blanched nor roasted, it's a bit like coffee. Yeah, or cocoa. Yeah, because it's, uh, you know, it's a nut, it's nutty. The dough needs to rest outside the fridge for around eight hours. What happens now is something amazing, because we don't need to use something from supermarkets, something bought. You just forage corns, and while you forage corns, you also forage for sweet chestnut leaves. Eleonora uses these leaves to create a natural cover for the bread while it's baking. This helps in three ways. The first one, to retain the moist inside so that it doesn't dry completely and doesn't become hard. The second is that you don't use anything industrial, so there are no preservatives, no chemicals. And the last one is that it's amazing to bring this bread on the table with those leaves, natural leaves, that of course will become brown because they will be cooked in the oven together with the bread, but they will release an extremely nutty and sweet flavour, like sweet chestnut. Put the bread in the oven at 180 to 200 degrees Celsius for around 40 minutes. The first 20 minutes, um, 200 centigrades, because you want that bread to have a crust. After that, you lower, uh, let's say 160, because that is needed for the core. And it's ready to eat. Acorn bread will harden quite quickly, but to soften it, Eleonora suggests soaking it in warm water and putting it back in the oven at between 80 and 100 degrees Celsius for 10 minutes. It'll come out as fresh as if it had just been baked. Bon appetito! A study by the European Commission has concluded that, to strengthen its food security, Europe should reacquaint itself with subsistence gardening and foraging. And there are many examples of Europeans getting through a crisis thanks to their knowledge of wild plants throughout history, and more recently. Italians, like Eleonora's grandmother, coping with the aftermath of war. Eastern Europeans surviving the economic shock after the fall of the Soviet Union. And now, Ukrainians going back to foraging for mushrooms in the forest, a year on from the Russian invasion. We should forage because it's uh, our normal behaviour to live in nature and not to stay eight hours per day in front of a PC also because it's fundamental for our well-being. That is, even if you don't forage, just go out in the nature, in the woods and move because it helps your body. Moreover, you can find food that has more nutrients. 
Studies suggest that foraging can improve people's quality of life in the long run, giving them more control over their food, their health, and how much they spend. It's like you know our ancestors going in the woods and searching for something, not because we need it for dinner, but because we need to search to be complete. The Star Ingredient podcast is created by food lovers at Euronews for those with curious taste buds around the world. I'm your host, Takumbo Salako, and this series is written and produced by my colleagues Marta Rodriguez-Martinez, Naira Davlashian and Ashling Nikulan in Lyon, France, with original reporting by Marta Rodriguez-Martinez in Lake Maggiore and Monte Fenera, Natural Park, Piedmont, Italy. Luca Culedu is our fixer in Italy. Our consulting editor is Catalina Mai in Santiago de Chile, and our solutions journalism consultant is Michel Foix in Paris, France. Sub-editing is by Lindsay Johnson, also in Paris. The theme music is by Andy Rabini, and sound mixing is by Mathieu Duchesne. Our production coordinator is Louise Lahegg, and our editor-in-chief is Patrick Heary. If you want to explore the world of foraging further with chef Eleonora Matarese, you can check out her website, eleonoramatarese.com, or buy her book of recipes, La Cuoca Selvetica. You can listen to this series on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you normally get your podcasts. For more information on The Star Ingredient, go to our website, euronews.com culture. And are you a French speaker? If so, you can find a version of this podcast in French called La Surprise du Chef. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.